we're going to be doing another type in shadow tonight, or the official title, if you will, would have been There's More to the Story. And, and uh, there, there's so much beauty in these and so much depth in these, and they're so amazing. And, and uh, tonight is going to hopefully be very clear to see, but I would, I would be safe to say that unless you've heard this before in like the first time we went through in a type and shadow when, when we did it, covered it the first time through, there's a good chance you've probably maybe never heard of what we're going to talk about tonight. There's this elusive uh, references to these places, and they're not so elusive. They're all multiple places to the Old Testament, but I just know that I never really was familiar with them, and, and you may not have been familiar with them either, but they're really a story pointing to Christ. And, you know, when we look at the the types and shadows that we've done. We've done people. We've done objects, Ark of the Covenant. We've done different things along that nature. We've, we've done animals when we talked about the cow and, the, and taking his cart to be sacrificed. And we've covered all variety of different things. We've, we've looked at the feasts and how they speak and, and point to Christ. But tonight we're going to do something a little differently. We're going to talk about cities. And we're going to look at six cities in particular. And how these six cities are pointing to Christ. And it's an amazing story. And we find a few places that give us a pretty good description of these cities. But I I think the best one we can go to is in Numbers chapter 35. And we'll start there and we'll read this. We'll read it all the way through. And then we'll explain it. And it's not a very long long one to explain. And it's not a very... um, uh, One that's going to take a lot of time after we read. Uh, But as you read it, you may start to think... What in the world is this talking about, and what does this have to do with us in Christ? Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to read it. So I'm going I'm to pray before we do this, because um, uh, let's go ahead and pray, read the verses, and then jump into it, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for um, how special everyone has made it, and and we thank you for that, and Lord, we thank you for another year that you've given us on this earth, and we, we pray that the next years, all the years that we have left, um, it would be for you, for your glory, Lord, with a greater hunger for you, a greater desire for you, and a greater uh, attitude to serve you uh, deeper and more sincerely. Lord, we ask that you would be with us tonight as we read these verses and we read about these cities of refuge, Lord. We ask that you would just open our mind and our hearts and our souls to see the beauty of you. And Lord, thank you that we have another chance to look into the Old Testament and simply declare there's more to the story. We thank you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So follow along with me here as we read of these cities of refuge, starting in verse 6 of Numbers chapter 35. It says this, The cities which you gave to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, which you shall give for the manslayer to flee to. And in addition to them, you shall give 42 cities. All the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be 48 cities together with their pasture lands. As for the cities which you shall give from the possession of the sons of Israel, you shall take more from the larger and you shall take some from uh, the less from the smaller. Each shall give some of his cities to the Levites in proportion to his possession, which he inherits. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select for yourself cities to be your cities of refuge, that the manslayer who has killed any person unintentionally may flee there. 
The city shall be to you as a refuge from the avenger, so that the manslayer will not die until he stands before the congregation for trial. The cities which you are to give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan. They are to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the sons of Israel and for the alien and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he's a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. If he struck him down with a stone in his hand, by which he will die, and as a result he died, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him with a wooden object in the hand, by which he might die, and as a result he died, he's a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The blood avenger himself shall put the murderer to death. He shall put him to death when he meets him. He, if he pushed him of hatred or threw something at him, lying in wait, and as a result he died, or if he struck him down with his hand in enmity, and as a result he died, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He's a murderer. The blood avenger shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if he, pu- if he pushed him suddenly without enmity or threw de- uh, something at him without lying in wait, or with any deadly object of stone, and without seeing it dropped on him so that he died... While he was not his enemy, nor seeking his injury, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the blood avenger according to these ordinances. The congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of refuge to which he fled. And he shall live in in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes beyond the border of his city of refuge to which he may flee, and the blood avenger finds him outside the border of his city of refuge, and the blood avenger kills the manslayer, he will not be guilty of blood. Because he should have remained in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest, but after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return to the land of his possession. These things shall be for a statutory ordinance for you throughout your generations, In all your dwellings, if anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death at the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not take ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. You shall not take a ransom for him who has fled to the city of refuge that he may return to live in the land before the death of the high priest." So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of whom shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. That's a lot. Don't you see it? It's Christ, guys. Come on. There he is. Right there. And that's all. We're done. (laughs) There's a lot in those verses. But if we begin to break them down, here's what the the, the takeaway is. And and here's the beauty of this uh, of these cities of refuge. You see, there was multiple tribes. We know that the the tribes of Israel and they were uh, according they were divvied out land and they were given certain allotments based on their, their tribe of who they were. But the Levites did not have a land of their own. Remember, the, the Levites were the, the, the tribe, the line to which all the priests would come out of. 
And so in part of that, they would have this service to God, but one of the things that they would not have is specific land allotments for themselves. So throughout the, the other lands that were given out and allotted, in the middle of all these other allotted portions of land, that there were cities designated in all these other tribes and all these other land segments to which would be given for the Levites to come and, and have to, for, to use. And of all the territory, there were 48 cities that were to be given for them to use because they didn't have their own land. But of these 48 cities and places that they would be able to use and to, uh, to reside in, there were six specific ones out of these 48 that were extraordinary. They were different. They were special. And these were what they referred to as the cities of refuge. And what's interesting here, when we look at their placement, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing as well, because it was almost spread out so beautifully that, that almost every place you were at, you could be a day's journey from one of these cities. It wasn't like they were so stacked on one side that if, if you needed to get to one of these cities, it would take you so long to get there. They were beautifully, almost divinely spread out to where you could get there in a day's journey if you need be. And there were three on the, the west side of the Jordan, and there were three on the east side of the Jordan. And these cities of refuge we find in Joshua 20, verse 7 through 8, and in multiple places. There's a lot of verses on here you can go back and read. But we see the names of these six cities of refuge. Hebron, Sheshem, Golan, Kadesh, Ramoth, and Bezer. And if, if you look out to the side of those words, they, if you look at what these words actually mean, they start to tell a story as well. That if you remember, and we must know that in the Bible, names meant something. The way that we pick out names now is not how they picked out names in the Bible times. They were very specific and they were very important and gave meaning. And we see that Hebron means fellowship or friendship. Now, when we start to think about these cities pointing to Christ, we start to look at some of these names and, and see if you can see how they, they begin to paint the story. Hebron means fellowship or friendship. Sheshem means shoulder. And we were talking about this last night. There's, we're like, what does shoulder mean? Well, we can see that in Isaiah, he says that the, sh the government will be on his shoulders in Isaiah chapter 9. But also, what about in Luke 15? When he says that he goes and he finds the sheep. And what does he do to the sheep? He picks them up and he puts them on his what? His shoulder. And he carries them home. We see that this is pointing to Christ. These cities of refuge are pointing to Christ. Golan is in a place or a circle enclosure for captives. Those who are captive and need to be set free. Kadesh, this is where we get the word sanctuary, a holy place. Ramoth is heights are uplifted. I mean, we've, we've been talking about that quite a bit here recently. Uh, just even the Son of Man must be lifted up. It's pointing to Christ. And, and Bezer, the last one, is a fortress, a mighty fortress. So these six names are very important, and they're pointing to Christ. But what are they there for? What is, what is the point of having these six cities uh, specifically designated out as cities of refuge? Well, here, all that stuff that you just heard about if someone kills one intentionally, if an axe handle falls off or it hits them incidentally, all that stuff that you just read is pointing to one thing. If someone had killed someone accidentally or by manslaughter, they were to flee as fast as they could to a city of refuge. And what was at stake here was that they had people called, they were blood avengers. 
And a lot of times this was the next of kin or the closest relative. And if someone had, had killed somebody, if there was an act of murder, we know from the Old Testament that they would be put to death. A, an intentional murder resulted in death. So if they saw someone from their family it die, that they would then begin to chase. And if the avenger of blood could get a hold of them, they would, they would try to take justice into their own hands, if you will. So you can imagine that if you accidentally kill someone and, or there's any dispute, then you would just take off. You would take off as fast as you could to one of these cities of refuge. And I mean, the blood avenger could be right behind you giving chase. You had to get to a city of refuge if you had any hope. And that's what these cities of refuge are there for. But what would happen is, as you began to run as fast as you could to get to one of these cities of refuge, then you would be met and, and you would be met with the, the elders there or the people of the, the cities. And then you would present your case to them and tell them why you're coming to there and what happened. You would present your case to them and then you would be allowed to come in and take refuge into the city until a trial was set up. And they would set up a trial and they would determine, were you guilty of murder or were you guilty of manslaughter? And they would decide that. And if you were guilty of homicide, if you were guilty of murder, then what they would do is they would take you and they would force you out of their city. And they would say, you're at the mercy of the avenger of blood now. But if you were found innocent of murder, as in uh, criminal intent there and homicide and, and purposeful murder, then... It, it, that, if, if you were guilty of that, you would be sent out of the city of refuge. If you were found innocent of that, but guilty of manslaughter, you, were to, you could reside into the city of refuge. You, you had a place to reside there until something happened. And what we must know here is that they were guilty of a crime, either way. One was either manslaughter, one was murder. There was a crime that was committed. They fled as fast as they could to a city of refuge. They were waiting trial. They were waiting legal... Um, a precedent here, or a legal uh, a case of what was going on, and they could never leave the city of refuge. They could never have true freedom. They were bound in that place until something happened. And I think we find that answer in verse 25 of Numbers 35. I'll read it with you, and maybe we can just begin to see this picture. In Numbers chapter 35, we were just there, but we'll read one verse in particular. Verse 25. It says this. The congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of refuge to which he was fled. And he shall live, it, live in it until... Tell me what sets this individual free. What lets him go out of the city? What lets him have freedom until the death of the high priest who is anointed with the holy oil. I think you began to see we don't need a whole lot of explanation for this. But there was only one thing that this person, even though uh, they may not have been guilty of murder in the, uh, the, 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 the one that would be put to death in, in that law, but they were still guilty. And the only way they could be set free and to go about their life would be predicated on one thing. They wasn't allowed to go free out of that city. If they did, then they would die because the blood avenger would kill them. 
It, it, the only way they would be free and have the penalty paid for and have uh, just the ability to walk out and continue their life was not predicated on them. It was predicated on the death of the high priest. And we see that pointing to Christ all the way. The death of the high priest would serve to pay the price or the penalty that would have been required for the crime they had committed. It was almost like the high priest was really paying that price and really paying for that crime so that they could be set free into the city or out of the city of refuge into their, their life. After the death of the high priest, the individual would be free to go. And I want to draw you another parallel here into verse 15. You'll see that the, these cities of refuge... Even though they were in these, uh, these allotment of lands given to the Israelites here, can you also see who it's for? It says this in verse 15, These six cities should be for refuge for the sons of Israel and for the alien and for the sojourner among them. That's an Old Testament reference to say the gospel is a place of refuge and safety for not just the Jew, but also the Gentile. The alien and the sojourner could run to these cities too. The alien and the sojourner could find refuge if they needed it. It was not just to the Jew. It was not just to them alone. Some would say that it was to the world. And that is the way that God showed His love, wasn't it? That He loved the world, the Jew, the Gentile, all that would believe. We see other examples of this in the Old Testament of of before these cities of refuge were put into place, that we look in, in, in we look in, um, or in, in paralleling these cities of refuge, that we see that in the tabernacle they had the horns of the altar, and if someone was guilty of doing something that was heinous or punishable by death, then you could run and you could grab the horns of these altars and and plead for mercy, and you see that in First Kings chapter one, First Kings chapter two. It says they were considered a place of safety. They were a place to run if you were guilty and you wanted mercy. You would, you would go to the, the horns of the altar and plead for mercy. And we see that all this is pointing to a temporary system of the law. And we see that the permanent system is going to be put in place with Christ because He's going to be the greatest fulfillment of this. So how does this all parallel to Christ? Well, here's what it says. And it's a beautiful story. You see, the person who would get killed in this was innocent, correct? Out minding your own business. Something had happened, and now you die. So if you were guilty of manslaughter, these would be innocent people that were being killed. And it would be your actions that did it. It would be your actions that brought death upon an innocent person. And we see the parallel there that it was us. It was our sin. It was our crimes, if you will, that put an innocent man to death in Christ. He was sinless. He was perfect. He was pure. It was us in our sin. It was us to whom he would die for that brought this upon him. It would be us paying, he, that he would pay the price for our sin. The truly only innocent man, it would be Christ. We are all guilty of sin and we legally stand before Christ condemned. Having a part of this innocent man being killed as, as it was Christ who was innocent. And here's the, the other thing is that not only is he the innocent one that is killed, but he's also the avenger of blood. You, you see, Christ is in all these different as, aspects of the story. Not only is he the innocent one who was killed, but he's also the one who has the full authority to exact uh, judgment and wrath, and he's the avenger of blood. 
It is your sin and my sin against Him that He then has all authority to bring wrath and death upon. He can do that. And He will do that unless and we, we see that what is the one thing that saves us? It is Christ Jesus. And just as these people were aware of what they've done, and they were aware if they were guilty of this, what would they do? They would run as fast as they could to get to the city of refuge. This is regeneration. You see, when we realize that we have brought all this on about ourselves, and it is, we are guilty of doing this, we are guilty of the things that we stand condemned before Christ for, what do we do? We run to Christ as fast as we can. And we run to Him because He's ran to us and He saved us first. And now we see that the, the depth of our sin, we see the guilt of our sin, we see what we've done, and we run to Christ as fast as we can. You see, it's our sin upon Him. He's the one who would be able to extract and to, to execute judgment. But we run to one of these cities of refuge. And it is, He is the refuge that we look at here He's the avenger of blood who will bring about the judgment and wrath upon all humanity. However, there's an escape for us as there are, was for those fleeing to a city of refuge. Once we realize our sin and guilt through regeneration, we run to Christ as our only escape, as He's our only refuge. We can only be set free by the death of the true anointed high priest. That's what Christ means. It said that the one who was anointed with holy oil, and we see that throughout the, the Bible that oil is, is spirit, and, and we know that Christ is the anointed one, and, and it is He who is the true and the great high priest. All the high priests in the Old Testament pointing to Christ. That's how you're set free. That's how I'm set free. We're not set free for one single second until the death of the high priest on the cross. We were in bondage. We are enslaved. We are guilty of the crimes. We have no hope. There's nowhere else to run except for to Christ. His death is what pays the debt. His death is what allows us freedom and results in no condemnation, although we were guilty. When they left that city, were they still guilty of a crime? They were. But they walked away like they were innocent. They walked away with that record off of them in a sense that they could walk back into society and be free from the penalty and be free from all the ramifications that went from it. Why? Because of the death of the high priest. The death of the high priest is what covered that, is what paid for that, is what allowed that person to go. It is the death of the high priest. And we walk around today, similar use to Septuagintor. We said this on the last time we met, that we are guilty. We, we, in our own sin, we are guilty. By our own actions, we are guilty, but we are covered by the work of the high priest. And what's interesting is also that if you remember me saying that there were three cities on the east and three cities on the west, weren't there? What about this? Try this on for size. The death of the high priest is what allowed that to be paid, allowed that to be atoned for, and allowed for freedom. There's a verse, and there's also a song. It goes something like this. He has forgiven and removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you have cities of refuge on the east, and you have cities of refuge on the west. In any of those cities, you can come and find refuge and safety. And with the death of the high priest, that you could be set free. And the east from the west, that's how far our high priest has set our sins away from us. 
to never be held against us again. That's Psalm 103, verse 12. Also, the cities of refuge were available to the sojourners and the aliens, and this shows the extension of the gospel to the Gentiles. But here's the thing about it. All those who have not taken refuge in Christ will one day finally meet Him as the true avenger of blood. As the one who will execute perfect, righteous, holy judgment. You see, if they were to push that person out of the city of refuge, they would have, and they would be at the mercy of the avenger of blood. And that's the same thing that goes for us today. When we flee to Christ, and we are able to be set free by the death of the high priest, if we do not stay in Christ, if we're not in Christ, then we have no hope. There is no refuge. There is no safety. And one day, the avenger of the blood will come and execute perfect and holy judgment. But we as Christians have a refuge. You have a refuge to run to in salvation, to Him in salvation. That's the first part of this. You run to Him and the death of the high priest is what sets you free, pays that penalty. But also, there's a great privilege that the Christian has. You can run to this high priest every day. You, you don't have to wonder if you can run to Him. You don't have to wonder if you can come and approach Him. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest who is not affiliated with our infirmities, but we have one who has been tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. And what's the benefit of that? It says so that we can come to Him and to His throne boldly, so that we may find mercy and grace in the time of need. What a privilege that this story is setting up. It's quite amazing, really. There's a lot of stuff that seems a little peculiar at first, but the whole thing comes down to this. You and I are guilty of sin and crimes against God. And He's the avenger of blood. And you've got one hope. You've got one chance. And that is to run as fast as you can to the only refuge that there is. That's Christ. You remember? Fellowship, friendship, the shoulder that He carries you upon. A place to set captives free. A sanctuary, a holy place. Heights and lifted up or a fortress. That's the names of the... Cities of refuge, that's what they mean. He's your only hope. And without Him, without the death of the high priest, without taking your refuge in Christ, you will face ultimate judgment, wrath, and spiritual death forever. What a privilege we have. We have the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 through 28 says this, Therefore, He is able to save completely. Those who come to God through Him, not partially, not for a little bit of time, and then you may lose it all. But it says He's able to save them completely. And and how is this possible? Because He always lives to intercede for them. That's why we have security in our salvation. Because we have the great high priest who's interceding for you, if you're a Christian. And if, if the great high priest is interceding for you before the Father, He will bring a charge against God's elect. No one. It is God who justifies. So as long as he's living, he's interceding for his people. So then you can ponder of how long your salvation is secure for. It says such a high priest 
truly meets our needs, one who is holy and blameless and pure, separate for, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. There's the true high priest. There's the death. There's the sacrifice that truly sets us free. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. We have a high priest, and his death is what sets us free. And that's the refuge that we take. And we find the greatest uh, parallel to this in Hebrews chapter 6. And in Hebrews chapter 6 is that great chapter where we parallel. Uh, you remember in Genesis 15 where uh, Abram wanted to know how serious God was about his promise. So he puts him into a deep sleep. And then it, remember they bring the animals there and, and they separate the animals. And then God passes in this theophany through the, the carcasses there. And he says, I swear by myself, my promise of this will be forever. And this is what this chapter is speaking of. But we find, we find the, 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 what this refuge looks like. And we find it in verse, well, we'll start in verse 15. Well, we can start in verse 13. It says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as a confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of His purpose, interposed with an oath. Verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things, two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. Those who take refuge in that promise, those who take refuge in Christ, they have something. They have an anchor. It says in verse 19, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one who enters within the veil. And remember, the death of the high priest was what set them free from the city in the Old Testament. But look what sets us free now. What high priest? Who is this high priest? We take refuge in Jesus who has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's the refuge that we have. The anchor for the soul, the refuge that we have. We have that as Christians because of Christ, the great high priest, not only laying his life down for us, but then interceding for us for all eternity. What a refuge. Sometimes we overlook the refuge that we have in Christ. There is no other refuge outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, judgment and death. Inside of Christ, you've been forgiven, you've been covered, and His death is what sets you free. You were guilty. The one fleeing to these cities killed someone. They were, they were guilty of that. And they got to leave that city of refuge. You know, there was a trial that was there. And even if they considered them not guilty of first-degree murder, they were still guilty of manslaughter. And there's a trial that goes on in the court of heaven. Right? We're all guilty before God. Romans 3 says every human being comes before God and they stand condemned. So how do we, as, as fallen creatures, have innocence in His eyes? The death of the high priest. The imputed righteousness of Christ. 
that's the way that we can have legal justification before God. And you have to ask yourself, how did they leave the city? How are they free? And you can't say it was something they did. They would have still been there until the death of the high priest. That is what set them free. They had to run to the city. They knew that this was the refuge they had to take. And they were set free. I want to end with some just encouragement to you and me because we all struggle with daily things. We all struggle in different ways. And I want to encourage you with this. There's a lot of things that we take refuge in as human beings. A lot of times we take comfort in our favorite TV shows. When a day is going bad, what do we do? Let me just get in front of my favorite show and it'll all be made better. And we take refuge in that. Sometimes when we don't feel right, we take, we take refuge in food. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at it here. We take refuge in different things, don't we? When things get hard, we have certain friends that we go to first. And we, if we're not careful, it's good to have good friends. But if we're not careful, the first thing that we do for refuge is go to them. And there are people that take refuge in so many different things. There are people that are not Christians who think that they can have refuge from this wrath of God in many other ways. They take refuge in coming to church. Church attendance is their refuge. I'm safe from the wrath of God as long as I'm in church. That's no refuge. They take it in good deeds, giving to neighbors, helping out, being a good husband, a good wife, a good son. That's their refuge. They take refuge in that. But that's not the refuge that we have. There's only one refuge. It's Christ. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only refuge. When we talk to people and we share the gospel, we can tell them you only have one refuge. You only have one way of escape. It's Christ. Nothing else. The death of the high priest is your escape if you believe. Remember, he was lifted up that all who believe in that high priest interceding for us would have eternal life. And when we became Christians, and He began to work in our soul, and we we were brought from death to life, guess what happened when you heard the gospel? Your soul was running to Him and seeking and pleading for mercy, seeking for refuge in Him. That's what happens in our conversion. But a lot of times it stops there in our minds that we can't keep running back to Him. We're to run to Him every day. When your life is falling apart, as good as friends are, don't make that your first place of refuge. Go to Christ. He's your refuge. That is where you go. You have the promise of this refuge. And listen to these verses. We'll just read. See, I always say we'll read some of them. I usually read all of them. So I'm not even going to say that tonight. But if you've ever been needing comfort, needing refuge, needing a friend. Listen to what you can find and who it's found in in Christ. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help. He's your refuge. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Psalm 2, verse 12, kiss his son or he will be angry and you will, your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those 
who take refuge in Him. Psalm 5, verse 11, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let Him ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice. Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My my God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 34, 22, The Lord will rescue His servants. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. We see that. There it goes back to our story. In the cities of refuge. Psalm 61, verse 3-4, through For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Psalm 62, verse 7, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my rock, my refuge. We're getting close. We're almost done. Psalm 91, verse 2, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 94, verse 22, But the Lord has become my fortress and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Let me tell you this, what that verse is pointing to too. You see what you hold in your hands in front of you? Every word of God is flawless. And when you don't have the answer and you don't know what to do, and you look at society and you say, wow, I'm in the minority. Wow, I'm not sure if this is truly what we are to think or what we're to do. Do you know what you do? You run as fast as you can to your refuge. That's your refuge. No matter what you do in life, every word is flawless. And you may feel all alone. You may feel like the the, the ground is sinking all around you. You may have no uh, just Just solid foundation is what it seems like you do. But sometimes we need to be reminded that we run to His Word. It's a refuge to which we can hold and stay firm. And Nahum 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. And He cares for those who trust in Him. This is a good God that we have. He is the refuge. These cities of refuge were a place designated in the Old Testament, but they're pointing to Christ. And when you run to Him, when someone is regeneration, they run to Him in salvation because He's made their soul come alive, they will find true rescue and true refuge. They will be covered. They will be set free, not because of them, but because of the one who died upon the cross, the high priest who intercedes. He's the refuge. But let us never lose fact as Christians. You don't run to him once, and that's the end of it. You run to him. You run to him. He's your refuge. Have you ran to him today? Or have you tried to do it on your own? I can answer that myself. I don't want to tell you that. Where do you go first to find your refuge? If the answer is not Christ, then we need to mourn over our sin. Because what we say when we don't run to Christ first is we say, God, there's someone who can comfort me better. God, there's someone who's a refuge for my soul greater than you. God, I'll get to you when I've exhausted all my other options. You see, when we do it, we don't think about it. But our only hope of life 
is Christ in salvation. And our only hope and only strength we have in this world is to lean on the refuge and the strength to which he gives. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of these cities of refuge before. And what seemed as a bunch of who knows what kind of verses, maybe some awkward verses. I hope you can see that the life and death depended on these people running to these cities of refuge. And their true freedom was found in the death of the high priest. It is that high priest who saves us. It is that high priest we run to so we can find grace and help in the time of need. So maybe when we think about the cities of refuge again, maybe you could agree with me on these two things. I haven't done that in a while. That actually felt pretty good. Maybe you can agree with me on these two things. The Bible's better than what we've made it. When you heard that story when we first read it, you were thinking, what in the world? Let's be honest. But now you see the beauty of it. The Bible's better than what we've made it. And there's more to the story. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is a refuge for us. Thank you that it is a safe, strong tower that we run to. And Lord, we must confess that so often it's not the first place we run. Lord, so many times we try to work it out ourselves. We try to figure it out on our own. We try to comfort our souls with worldly things. And Lord, for that, we're sorry. Lord, because there's no other refuge. There's no other strength. There's no other where to go except for you. So Lord, I pray that our souls would be changed tonight. Lord, that you would convict us and we would mourn over our sin. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would see that our true freedom from our sin debt, our true freedom was nothing we could ever do, but it was found in the death of you, the high priest. Our freedom, our rescue is all from you. And Lord, we thank you that you have brought about regeneration in our souls so we could see the need for you and we would run to you. And Lord, when we ran to you and we placed our faith in you, Lord, you were a perfect Savior and you justified us by the blood that was shed of the high priest. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, thank you for being a refuge, our only refuge. Our salvation is in you and our strength throughout the day is in you. Let us run to you with all of our souls. We ask these things in your name. Amen.